Good morning, second service. Wow. Um, I just want to um, welcome all those guys who are watching today, including Dr. Crystal, who is recovering from uh, having her wisdom teeth taken out. Uh, we just decided that she was just too wise, and we needed to bring her down to the rest of the staff. So this was our attempt. But uh, uh, incredible amount of bruising. It's just I, They must stand to stand on top of the table and chisel these things out. She's got this bruise that goes all the way around her neck. It looks like she's been hung with a rope by rope. And so um, she was going to see how much strength she had the other day to go to the store. I think it was yesterday, the day before she went. And uh, the reason I didn't go is because if some policeman was in there and saw this bruise all over and I've been hanging my wife, they would have tackled me and drug me out of the place. Uh, but uh, her strength is slowly coming back. She barely made it back from the store. Uh, but we want to say hello to Dr. Crystal and uh, Ruth is in Scotland and a number of people uh, all across the world that tune in. Uh, we just want to say thank you and stay in touch We've been doing, uh, we started a series called the Ten Commandments. You might have heard of it, the Big Ten. And in it, we were going, well, we can't do this for ten weeks. I mean, goodness, let's just kind of bunch them up. And so I have one of the weeks where they bunched it up. I have two commands. And I called uh, Pastor Peter yesterday, and I said, you know, I, I've been taking stuff out and taking stuff. And I, I think the revelation is we, we only have nine commandments because I'm going to drop one today. But uh, he assured me that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I said, well, I'm strong. I just can't figure out what to get rid of. These are two uh, very good. And let me, let me just tell you, do you know, you can disagree with me, but you're wrong. Um, and, but if you do disagree with me at some point, you know, there's a good chance I am wrong. I said it wrong. You heard it wrong or uh, whatever. But... If it provokes you to go and study it for yourself, it's a win-win. It is a win-win. Because some of these things, it's not how I lived life. Some of these things are going to step on our, our toes. And so I have the third and fourth commandment. Now, I'm going to start with the fourth commandment because <clears throat> it's the smaller one, and there's some ministry time we can do after the third commandment. But this, this commandment, a lot of people think, and I mean, if, if any of the commandments, it seems like though there's people who, I can keep the Sabbath holy. You know, what are you going to do? I'm going to sit down. You know, I'm not going to do anything. Well, well, I want to take a look at traditionally what, what the Pharisees have done to the uh, fourth commandment, but also the fact that it's the fourth commandment that, that, that got Jesus the cross. The Pharisees just could not handle what Jesus was doing on the Sabbath. But if we look at what Jesus was doing, everything, according, for, for this whole cross thing to work, to pay for our sins, someone had to come along and be perfect, which meant someone had to come along and be perfect to the Ten Commandments. And Jesus has some eye-opening thoughts and actions when he walked this earth. So it's going to give us some insight to the Ten. But let me show you here. See, what is that? What's that big? Yes. 
It's a skeleton key. Well, I don't know if it's, it's still a skeleton key. So there's a key. It's just like when people read Revelation. They just open Revelation they think, oh, I'm just going to start reading, reading this. And, and they get a little lost, confused. Let me tell you, Revelations has a key. God gives us keys in his word. And the key is in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. And it tells us what the key is. Because the, the angel said to John, he said, look, I want you to write about the things that were, then write about the things that are, and then write about the things that are coming. And you're going, hey, that's how I need to divide this book up. Well, we have the same key. The Ten Commandments is the greatest moral code ever given. But the key to it is the verse before the commands begin. And you, we see that Exodus 20, it says, And God spoke all these words. He spoke all these words. Okay? Here's the key. Before he starts with you, it says, and because I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So no matter what uh, commandment you're on, the underlying truth, the reason that command is there, it deals with slavery. I brought you out of slavery. So here are 10 statements, and that's originally what the word commandment was in Hebrew, is because here are 10 statements that if you want to stay out of slavery, you're going to honor these. And they all start, they don't say, and the church shall not, or the, the, the synagogue, it says you will not. So they have an excuse like, well, everybody else at the church doesn't, or everyone else. No, it says, you. This statement, these commandments are to you. They're not to be compared to anybody else. You have to answer it, you know, walk in it or not. So <clears throat> the, the deal is it's about freedom. God doesn't want us to return to Egypt. He goes, now that you've got your freedom, said, don't be enslaved again. And the way not to be enslaved again is to follow these 10 statements to the best of your ability. It, the world, if, I don't know how you are, but growing up, when someone came to me and says, they are the rules. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can just feel your backbone just stiffening up going, yeah, right. Who are you? You're not the boss of me. You know, am I the only one? No. And even today when a boss comes to you and goes, well, here's the rules. You know, you can't have your cell phone here. You can't do that. You know, while he's telling you that, you're going, you know, you're texting someone. We just have something built in us that we can't stand someone who gives us rules and tells us do this, this. But here's the difference. These rules are for us to be free. And they're given to us by a father, not a dictator. They're, they're rules that are for our good, not God's good. He does this for our good. Well, I don't get it. Trust me. He is in this for us because he comes from... A, so when a father tells you, son, don't do this, don't do that, your dad is telling you out of a heart that loves you. He wants to protect you. And that is how whenever you read these commands, you know, it, instead of going, well, these are the rules and we have to keep it this way, you need to look at it going, that's coming from a heart 
of a dad. A father who wants to keep me from being enslaved again in Egypt. So, like I said, we we're going to start. We're going to start with the fourth commandment. I don't know if this clicker is not working or... Okay, you can send somebody out to help me here if you want to, but... <laughs> click. Maybe I just do click. All right. Let's take a look at Exodus 28. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The key word here, what's holy? The Pharisees are going to come along. When they saw that, they're going, all right, we got, we got this to work with. And they're going to interpret it for us. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your sons, nor your daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals. Has any, everyone kept my cat from working? My cat doesn't work. Okay, I think they're talking about donkeys. Hi. So, nor any foreigners residing in your town. Do you see, if you look at it from a freedom point, so, you know, we're keeping people from just working, I mean, and, and everyone worked. In Rome, you get three days off a month. The Romans only took three days off a month. And God's coming along and says, no, you're set free from that slavery. You are set free. For in the six days, God made the heavens and the earth. I think we've gone to the next slide. In six days, he made the heaven and earth, the seas, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this is my opinion, but if you read that in Exodus, God, I do not believe that God's six days were our six days. He's, be, he's outside of heaven, outside of time, in heaven. And I believe those six days took a long time. In fact, if you read my understanding of Genesis, that we're still in the seventh day. God is still at rest. And here's where we'll see that. When we say at rest, he's at rest at what he does, what he did. What was his job? What, does, what is God? God is a creator. Six days God worked doing what God does. He creates. And the seventh day says he rested. And I believe that we're still in that rest. And it does not mean that God isn't doing anything. Because you know what? I believe that the, 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 that, that first day is coming back around. Because when Jesus returns, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. He is going to do some creating and changing again so the week starts again. Are you with me? So right now, but we're saying, well, what? Jesus is going to give us a new understanding of this day of rest. This, what is holy? He makes it very clear. Now remember, he, he either got it right or he got it wrong. If he got it wrong, then he wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the perfect the, the perfect sacrifice. But he made it very clear. It was the Pharisees that got their hands on it to re-enslave to, to re the people. If you're an Orthodox Jew today, the day, okay, their, their Sabbath is sun, uh, 6 o'clock 
Friday evening to 6 o'clock Saturday. And God bless anyone who's Seventh-day Adventist because that's, boy, that's one thing they preach to you. All right? But you can disagree, just don't throw anything. I could put a hip out. I'm going to be 62 this year. So uh, before 6 o'clock, you have to get a little tray that's in the bathroom, and the toilet paper has to be torn because tearing toilet paper is work. Now, tearing our toilet paper is work. <laughs> I think we buy the cheapest stuff that's out there. Like, like you go to, you know, Toilet paper's there, but it's really just a thin roll of sandpaper. So it's, <laughs> you have to, do you know what? If you don't turn the lights on before 6 o'clock, they don't come on. Because this, whoop, probably going to hell for that. That's not holy to turn lights on. You can't walk for more than 15 minutes because you can only go so many kilometers. You have to sit down and rest. Wow. No phones, no TV, nothing. Here's what happened. This is to set, the Ten Commandments is to set you free because it's coming from a heart of father. The Pharisees get it and they've put them back under slavery, under works. Like, wow. But, so what is holy? What is holy? And just a, a disclaimer here, people going, well, is the Sabbath, you know, Saturday or the Sunday? You know, and I always tease them and go, it's Tuesday. And it's like, <laughs> but we're going to get more into it. But you know what we celebrate? You know, they celebrate the Hebrew Sabbath, okay? We celebrate the day that Jesus was resurrected. Wow. I like that. But we're going to find out that Jesus says, you know what? Make, choose your day and make it holy. It's not about the day. It's about what is holy. So let's see if we can get there quickly because this is supposed to be the short one. If we don't get through this one, there's only nine commandments. Okay, that's the new revelation. But I want you to know that there's 30, 39 more laws that you have to observe on the Sabbath if you're going to be an Orthodox Jew. So, this is the world that Jesus was born into. He was born a Jew, and it said that he kept the law perfectly. But there's a different, a, a different explanation that he comes to. Here we go. Again. There we go. Let's look at Mark. Now, the disciples also broke the Sabbath according to the Pharisees, what they considered holy. Now remember, this was, this was the argument that got him the cross. And Jesus would, he, he would argue for the, his disciples and said, what have they broken? Come on. And this is one of the verses, says, thus you nullify, talking to the Pharisees, he goes, you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And... You do so many things the same way. You just, you're enslaving the people again. This is not what God meant. Jesus saw the day, the, the Sabbath day, as a day of restful activity. 
God created six days. And he rested on seventh, which I believe we're still in. So I said, hey, you know what? People who like to argue with me, they're going, oh, you are, you're, you're not observing the Sabbath on Saturday. So I said, if you're going to be that to the word of God, did you work six days or five? You know, it's funny how they'll pick the one out going, oh, you are working on the Sabbath and you shall, you shall keep it holy. I'm thinking, did you work six days? Well, my boss only wants me to work five. I don't care. The word of God said six. Go see if you can get a key and break in or something and work your six. You know, they don't care about, you know, they're, they're not too stuck on that part. It's just keeping it holy. See, they, they, they want to emphasize what they want or they think they can do and keep holy. But if you only work five, that's not God's plan. So there's something else. There's something else. You do what you need to do for you and your family. Doesn't that sound selfish? That's work. And then the other day is the Lord's day. And you know what? Everything I read about the Lord, it's not sit down. It's get up and do. When, have you, when does the Lord ever just say, sit down, do nothing? When he tells us to rest, it's to rest in him and his work. You want restoration? Do things that God has made you to do for other people, for him. How do you love God, love people? Some hospitality. You know what observing the Sabbath would be? Is inviting people over and practicing hospitality. Well, inviting people you like. Okay. So he's like, let's pick the person. I just can't. No, that's not going to be restful. But you share the Lord with someone. Share the love of God. Be gracious and, and giving. That is restful activity. That's what God has called us to do. That's what Jesus would do. They were always getting on him for traveling. They got on to disciples because he goes, hey, go, guys, go get food. It's the Sabbath. There's nothing evil with this. It's food. Oh, we can't work. It's not work. Wow. There's, and, and, there's, and there's more. There's more. John 5, 5, 16. So, <clears throat> because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. They wasn't doing it the way they thought it should be done. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. They're not creating he's rested from that he's doing activities that's restful to him you know what pleases God is for his people to love to be about his business he's about the business of his people he's going to create again when he comes with the new heaven and earth the day the week's going to recycle again man I'm waiting for the week to begin again. I'm waiting for the week to begin again. I'm enjoying the seventh day. God is about us, but he's getting ready to create real soon and bring a new heaven and a new earth. Well, Luke 6, 9. Jesus responds to the Pharisees, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And right after that, 
They're like, oh. He tells a guy with a withered hand, he goes, come here. He's in the synagogue. Come here. Show me your hand. And it was straight. What is he doing on the Sabbath? He's healing. He's doing good. Jesus made a commandment that the Pharisees made it slavery again, bondage. And Jesus is walking in it in a positive way. Because my father's at work right now, and so am I. The Jews made think that man was made for the Sabbath, but God made the Sabbath for man. Because what was the key? Freedom. That's the key. The old traditional way, that doesn't sound like freedom. That sounds like bondage. My horse fell in the mud. I can't get him out. I can't turn on a light. I can't answer the phone. I can't. Romans 14. Hello. There it went. It went backwards. Romans 14. Verse 5, one, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So you know what? For every Seventh-day Adventist, Saturday is special. But every believer in Jesus Christ that's not of that church, every Sunday is special. And so you work for Disney and you have to work on Sunday. Let me tell you, you're off on Monday. Make that special. That's the day that you live unto the Lord and do what he's called to do. Do, do restful activity. Take a non-believer to the beach. That is keeping it holy because that might bring healing to that person's soul. Make that day holy. Go and touch someone who doesn't know the Lord. Go and turn their garden. Go, I mean, that's what I do. I like to farm. Go and, and bless them. Make it a godly day of activity, but it's, a for, it's other people that you're doing this for. You know, people think, you know, I want to sit down. You know, I, it's the Sabbath. I'm just going to sit in my lazy boy all day. You know, and as I said before, lazy boy right next to the lazy girl. No, they don't have a lazy girl, do they? That's because women aren't lazy. For the boy to be lazy, the woman's got to be up cooking and cleaning. That's the only way he can be lazy. So I was thinking of, you know, I, I want to design my own furniture. There's the lazy boy, and then we should have the hardworking girl. It's a hard chair, little seat that scoots up to the sink so you can sit down and wash. <laughs> I'm telling you, there is no way you can be a lazy boy without a hardworking girl. Can I get an amen from the ladies? And all the men can say, thank you, dear. <laughs> all right. Don't, if you design my chair, I get a percentage of it. No. <laughs> wow. In Galatians, in the past, when you did not know God, you were slaves. Here's the theme again. The key is freedom. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Guys who've given traditions and rules. Work. But now you do know God. And more than that, 
You are known by God. So how is it that when you turn back again to those weak and miserable elementary spirits, do you want to enslave yourself to those things once again? You observe special days, and in the original it says Sabbath. You observe Sabbath months, seasons, and years. I fear for you that my work among you has been wasted. Do not be enslaved. Make this day holy. Make it about someone else than you. Practice hospitality in all its forms. That's how you move in the spirit of God. So open your heart. So you know what? Jesus has taken something that was a negative and he lived it in freedom. Doing things that his father would have him doing. He's at work. As father, our father in heaven is at work. He's just not doing what his job was, a creator. He's resting from it. But it's coming again. Let's quickly, and I mean, I mean real quickly. That was the short one, by the way. <laughs> Let's move Let's move to number three. Boy, am I clicking through this or not? Yes, I've just got behind. The third commandment, do not misuse the name of God. Now, I want you to know where, you know, the, the, the fourth commandment was kind of freeing. You know, it's like, I've always been a dirt bondage because I'm doing something, you know, on the Sabbath. And this one, every one of us have committed in some way, some shape, some form. But it can be righted. The first commandment is God concerned with what we do with our hearts. You will have no other gods before me. The second commandment, he is concerned with what you do with your hands. You shall not make a graven image. And the third, the third here, he is concerned with our mouths. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, when people say in vain, they think, oh, you shall, can't use his name for cussing. It's, it's not, you know, oh, I, make, I made his name something dirty. No, in vain means empty. It's quite opposite of how people think. In vain means hollow. It goes nowhere. You know, Jesus said, you know, we're going to be judged by every idol word. Where's your car going in idle? Nowhere. So he says, do not take God's name and put it in idle. I don't take lightly to that. Don't make it nothing. Said so he will hold anyone, he will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You know, there's it's so important. Words are important, and I think that word idle. You know, it says, it's not the words that you say on purpose. It's not his name that you say under pressure. It just says idle. The silly don't. Well, why does God take words so seriously? Here's the key. It is the only way that he's revealed himself. Is through words. He reveals himself to, that's why the, one of the most powerful ways to introduce someone to the Lord, you do it through words, through descriptions, through history, speaking into someone's life. It's done by words. And when we 
have a habit of being dishonest or causing words, our language, to be cheap. If, if we didn't have words, that's it. We're not going to know God. It's the only, and, and so he, he's saying, watch it. The second is, uh, words create and they change. They change things, they change people. How did he create the earth? Through words. Have you, have you ever heard people's testimony going, man, once I heard this, my life was changed. Once I heard these words, once I understood what they were saying, words change, they just change. This week, this week you used a lot of words. You directed and moved and changed people for the good or the bad through words. Words that you said. People are known by their words. So, before we can discuss um, the rest of this about in vain, we need to look at what's in a name. Because it says, don't use my name in vain. Well, let's take a look at the importance of a name. Uh, a name is incredibly, I don't know if you've ever had someone, you met somebody with your name. Anybody? Yeah. For me, it was quite disturbing. There's a lot of Mark Evanses out there. So it was years and years ago, and I get a phone call, and it's from somebody who comes to our church, and they're, they're dear friends. They're going, hey. I go, hey, how you going? They go, fine. How about you? I'm like, I'm great. So what you doing? I'm okay. I'm not doing much. So is there anything new? I go, no, 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 no. Uh, what's up? Uh can you get to the TV or radio? Oh, sure. It's like, Pastor Mark Evans <coughs> from Sanford Enterprise has been arrested at a bar, and here's some video of him, you know, high-fiving, but the lower part of, uh, <laughs> and giving her money as he walked out with two scantily dressed females. I'm like, <laughs> I went, I'm glad he was just really short. That does not look like me. And it's like, he was doing stuff in my name. <laughs> I'm glad they had film at, at 11. <laughs> you know, it's like, I was shocked. There's a guy, I have been arrested two times because of my name. And guess who one of the guys, he lives in Altamont, and he's married to who? Crystal, with a K. <laughs> we had a sheriff come to my house, knock on the door, and Crystal goes, come on in. He went, okay. <laughs> I mean, the police are our friends, aren't they? <laughs> and he goes, uh, what's your name? He goes, Crystal. Okay. And uh, your husband lived in Alabama. Yeah, he went to Auburn. In fact, this whole house came from Auburn. He got it down. Mark Evans, right? Yeah, Mark Evans. And you're, yeah, Crystal. 
And he just said, because he had heard words of this other Mark Evans. And he, he just said, he goes, this doesn't look like what I've heard. But until he came across a different spirit, that was me. People have described me. This guy had beat up two policemen in Taft years ago. But I was guilty because of the words. The words on a name. What have we said that's hollow about God? We've mentioned God's name in such a way that it was just in vain or hollow, not descriptive of the God of the universe. That's changed our life. That we're believing in is going to protect our families and give direction to our children. We've used his name in such a way that it's hollow. And other people, that's how they learn who God is. It's through words. Wow. Let me... The emptiness that come, it's just absolutely disturbing with what we do. What's in a name? A name is what separates a person from everyone else. The name of God is what separates him from everyone else. Is it used that way? Or it's like, ah, oh, Jesus. That doesn't separate him. That just makes him a word. What people say about a name reflects on that person, which we just shared. Incredible. Well, to use God's name in an empty and hollow way is an insult. <clears throat> Four examples of misuse, empty or meaningless expressions. And the first one is perjury. It's a false promise, an oath, a vow that you make. You know, it's a scary thing. I'm so glad there's forgiveness because most people, when they get married, they make a vow to God. A real God. One that Jesus says, listen, don't make vows because you have to live up to them. It's the reason why the Quakers, the Mennonites, Crystal, my wife, was a Quaker. She was raised Quaker. They were not allowed to make vows because when Jesus said, let your yes be your yes and your no, your no, he said, don't swear by heaven, don't swear by earth. It's if you are a believer, your yes is yes. You can't put your hand on a Bible and say, well, this is more truth. This is a little more truer than what I normally talk. And so they would not take oaths to join the army. They wouldn't join the police force. They couldn't... Uh, testify someone that said did you see him shoot him he goes yes I, he shot him and he goes well, put your, you know come to court and make an oath he goes no you've got to and they would lock these guys up that's no longer that way you know they have something else they do for them but they they can go and not make an oath they couldn't run for political office because you have to put your hand on the bible and make an oath it said the truth is truth <laughs> Truth is truth. You know, like, I swear to God. I swear to God this is the truth. You know, I'd question that. 
If they have to tell you, if they, if they start swearing, you know, that this is the truth. I'm like, I'm not too sure. As God is my witness. If you told the truth all the time, you don't have to say those things. If someone comes to me and they're going, you know, you, this is, I swear to God, I'm telling, it's like, eh. If you can lie before without saying it, you can say, I'm swearing to God and still lie. You know, if you need God to verify it's the truth, I can't believe you on that either. So, oh my goodness. <clears throat> Let me just move to profanity. And profanity is, it, it, it really is, it's an empty, it's devaluing when you use the Lord's name in vain. The sting isn't that you've used it, it's just as a cuss word as you've made it nothing. You've made it empty. It doesn't describe what you're saying. Let me read you a verse, and I'm going to read it so you're not, you know, you're not reading it. But I want you to see the emphasis in Isaiah 6. In the year that the king, king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He's high and exalted, seated on a throne. And his train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, and on seraphim had six wings, two wings to cover their eyes, because of the glory of the Lord was all about them. Two wings to cover their feet, because the intensity of the holiness of God, and two wings to fly with. And in that situation, they're ministering day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, because the, the doorpost of heaven shook, the foundations shook every time they yelled, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And then smoke filled the temple. His answer was, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He spoke of God that was hollow. And he gets a glimpse of the one that's true nature. And he realized he's ruined. Woe to me, I'm ruined. Then one of the seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched the mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Plural. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. I said... Send me. I'll go. I've seen it. I've seen it. No more there are going to be empty words. No more joking. You know, while we can make fun of our church, we can make fun of people, we can make fun of me, you know, flippancy, joking, and the other's hypocrisy. But he said, no more. No more. 
I can't make this cheap. God said, don't go out and use my name because what you're using it does not describe me. And I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold you for that emptiness. People only know me by words that you use. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Hypocrisy, he hates it. Remember, he's... <clears throat> He said, listen, we take communion. If you, don't have, if you have unforgiveness in your heart for someone, don't take communion. Go and make it right. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like that person standing and praying, oh, Lord, look what I've given you. Oh, I'm giving this. He doesn't like hypocrisy. He doesn't want you to have something in your mouth that is not in your heart. You can speak faith going, hey, I've not quite achieved it, but this is what I believe. That's speaking faith. But in one case, say, this is what I believe, this is how I walk, and you don't do it. He said, that's hypocrisy. He can't stand it. So what I would like for us to do is if we could stand. And we have, guess what? We have a name. Do you know, we don't, the, the Jews wouldn't say Yahweh. It was too holy. And we don't even know if that's actually the way that it's correct of saying it. They used to say the word. The word. But we have a name. A name that's above all names. He says it's above all names. Jesus. Do we use that with the right sense? The right meaning behind it? That in heaven, when this name is spoken, the foundations shake. We can't make fun of heaven and earth, I mean, uh, heaven and hell. It's the last battle that we'll face in this life. It's a serious place. But it's your last battle. And it is a holy place or a horrible place. A scary place or a glorious place? And our words are going to be held against us. Were they idle? Were they worthless? Cheap? Nondescript? To say his name is to say his name in all his glory.